Welcome to Radio Worldview. I'm August Tuckaby. For our student profile this week, we had the opportunity to sit down with Simon Sefzik. Simon is from Northwest Washington and had quite a history with Worldview Academy summer camps, as you'll hear before coming to the Abbey. Simon probably doesn't remember this, but my first memory of him was a few years ago at our Seattle Worldview Academy camp, where I had the opportunity to give a lecture on the Christian worldview of economics. And Simon came up to me after the lecture and had some fantastic questions about socialism and where our country was uh, with that current fascination at the moment. So he and I go back quite a few years to that interaction, and I was extremely excited to get him on the program today. Well, thank you, Mr. Huckabee, for having me on. I'm Simon Sasek. I'm from the great state of Washington. I'm about two hours north of Seattle. And I've been to Worldview Academy four times. And every time I was at Worldview Academy, from the point when I was a 13-year-old boy, I was always impressed with the the character of both fellow students, the character of our small group leaders, and the quality of teaching from our teachers and everybody on faculty. It, it truly was a one-in-a-lifetime experience and that I'd never seen any, anything or anyone like it before. Except it was a four-in-a-lifetime experience. Exactly, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, I thought it couldn't be beaten, and then it got beaten every following year yeah. in terms of the incredible experience. And it was also nice, obviously, because you're familiar with the kind of three-year rotation. So the first year and my final year, right. I had the same teachers. And it was kind of interesting to watch as maybe my thought process matured and developed from being a 13-year-old to being a bit older and also having built up some worldview-type thinking before yeah. from the previous years. So you felt like your first time at camp versus your last time, even though it was the same speakers, was a very different experience. I'd, I'd certainly say so, right. And, and part of that was, again, the foundation that the first, second, and third year had built in me yeah. and different changing life circumstances that kind of reinforced those values. So. Yeah. so tell me a little bit about your um, extracurriculars in high school because you were an NCFCA, but you are also connected with the NRA in some way, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not trying to rhyme there. But so <laughs> tell me about that, right? So like what, what exactly is the position that you hold with those? And you went to nationals in NCFCA. Mm-hmm. So tell me, give me a little bit of your backstory. Sure. So I competed in a speech and debate league, the largest homeschool speech and debate league in the country called the NCFCA. It's a long acronym, not worth me repeating if I even remember it still. Okay. For about six years. I started when I was 12 years old. I made it to nationals when I was 12 years old. And then in my final two years... I was the national champion in uh, what we call team policy debate, and then the national champion in extemporaneous speaking, which is kind of like a current events, political-type discussion. You have about uh, 20 minutes to speak for about seven minutes, and then also the national champion in a moot court event, which is kind of a judicial simulated argument before the Supreme Court. And and that experience kind of built in me and reinforced the importance of, of communication for Christians especially, the ability to clearly enunciate and communicate the beliefs that we hold because the culture is so effective at doing that. Hmm. And I think Christians should also be equipped with those exact same tools. And that's something that speech and debate builds in everyone. It's, it's one of the classical forms of education that obviously here at Worldview at the Abbey builds and enforces right. because they realize it's so pivotal to the way we live our lives as well. Hmm. And, and some of that experience got me involved with... Uh, the NRA, specifically as the Northwest Washington, uh, the spokesperson for the NRA, which allowed me to go to Washington, D.C. this summer 
and meet with some of the other people, meet some of the executives in the NRA, kind of get to tour Washington, D.C. and do some fun things. And then it's also allowed me to get involved with the Veterans of Foreign Wars Association, hmm. where I've uh, worked with them on speaking about the importance of civics, the importance of, of government, and the importance of recognizing our liberties and responsibilities, and especially appreciating the service of military families and the veterans that have paved our freedoms. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. So, so um, talk to me about how you decided to come to, to be at the Abbey, because you're also connected to the Funkhauser family, who's from Washington as well. And Ryan Funkhauser served as a resident director here for a year. Um, and I know that they were connected with your family. And so what, what brought you kind of mm. to the Abbey specifically? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Funkhausers because my older brother was the first person along with Ryan Funkhauser to get involved in speech and debate. And ever since then, it was kind of an unbreakable bond between them. Uh, and, and I would call Ryan kind of a second brother, hmm. a second older brother to me. And I know he's kind of called me his adopted little brother because yeah. he's a family of all girls except him. Um, <laughs> so that bond really established kind of a connection to Worldview Academy. And I think one of the things that was so fantastic about it was Ryan always had such a great character, and I really think he embodied a lot of uh, Christ-like characteristics. And that's why I wasn't surprised at all to see that Worldview Academy was looking for the individual like Ryan Funkhauser. Yeah. And from there, I heard him talk about the experiences uh, at the Abbey serving with Worldview Academy. And I, I realized that if this is the type of, of person that Worldview the, Worldview, the Abbey and Worldview Academy is interested in, then why on earth would I not want to take up that opportunity? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I want to be influenced by those types of people? Yeah. And in addition, the reading list of Worldview the Abbey is fantastic. I was already familiar with the faculty that every single opportunity at the Abbey really piqued my interest in attending for this next year. Okay. Awesome. So had you had much of a classical education background? I wouldn't say, compared to a lot of my other friends, I would say no. Okay. A lot of them have been raised from elementary school in a classical education. I wouldn't say I have been, but I would say I've certainly had uh, certain trends regarding a classical education, whether it's studying formal logic or classical literature. But sure. I wouldn't say I kind of followed the main trivium that we traditionally characterize in classical education. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So tell me a little bit about uh, how the classroom has been so far. What have been some of the highlights or, or what, are you, what are you studying that you're enjoying, hopefully? <laughs> I mean, I'm enjoying every single one of the classes. Wow. All right. There, I mean, there hasn't been a single... I mean, there have certainly been challenges to classes. For example, I wouldn't call myself the creative type. Sure. So writing a short story is going to be more of a struggle for me than a multiple choice test about Nicole Machiavelli or Thomas More. Yeah. Uh, but again, that doesn't make one better or worse than the other. It just means it's challenging and thus enjoyable to me. Okay. So all of the classes have been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the great conversation, especially in probably uh, political science. But in every single class, I've realized kind of the, the two basic questions that Worldview Academy taught me when I was a 13-year-old are always going to be relevant, which is, what is the nature of God? What is the nature of man? Hmm. Those questions continually occur and reoccur throughout history, throughout all the works we're reading, and change the course of human history. Yeah. And so I've really enjoyed just having those discussions. Obviously, the Socratic dialogue that we get to engage in, a 12-person classroom is something I'll never get to experience 
in my college education. It's something I didn't get to experience when I was homeschooled. Yeah. So it's it's really yeah. one in the life once in a lifetime opportunity, and it's incredible and mm. fantastic to be a part of. Yeah, that's awesome. So what 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 are you reading right now? What are some of the books y'all are reading right now? Sure. So right now in the Great Conversation. We are reading St. Augustine's City of God. Not all 1,000 pages of it, but fair amounts of it. We just finished reading St. Athanasius's On the Incarnation. Right now in political science, we just finished Thomas More's Utopia. We're now about to pick up Thomas Hobbes' Leviathan. And in apologetics, we just finished a book called Tactics. Right now we're kind of doing a philosophical discussion of Thomas Aquinas. Okay, gotcha. Is it Aquinas or Aquinas? Aquinas. Ah. Yeah, I was about to correct myself. <laughs> yeah, there. no worries. Uh, okay, and so uh, what house are you in? I am in House Psyche. House Psyche. Which and... won the pumpkin carving contest last oh, week. Oh, good. So. Okay, tell us about the pumpkin carving contest. We haven't talked about that the yet. The four houses all got together and competed for about 30 minutes, maybe longer. I don't know. We weren't keeping track of time mm-hmm. to see who could carve the best pumpkin and come up with the best story about that pumpkin and how psyche we are proud to say was the victor in that feat yeah yeah it was awesome and there were a couple really great stories and awesome carvings as well but you guys did do a really fantastic job absolutely so have you have you enjoyed the house thing i mean do y'all do anything um outside of kind of the scheduled times have y'all gone out on any hikes or do any worship times or anything like that we've done a little bit of worship this week actually we're going to go on a hike up in tunnel drive we're probably going to do some not rock climbing in some of the traditional ways that people have done rock climbing with you before but we're going to explore the canyon and then uh, we normally like to get together at certain points we're kind of a less scheduled group than others but we kind of have spontaneous get together sessions where we just talk or hang out and and that sort of thing. Okay. But we're really enjoying the house system. The rivalry and camaraderie that it breeds is a good thing to have. Yeah, yeah. And are there any other highlights from the year that you'd want to point out? Like what have been some of your favorite things? Has it been mainly the classroom or any anything else? I mean, it's hard to say which one would be my favorite, but certainly I haven't talked about the, the fellowship with fellow students. Every single one of the students here I, I would easily call my friend and it's already weird to think that I'll be going home in Thanksgiving. And a part of me already says that while I'm there at my normal location for a temporary amount of time, I'll still be thinking, but some of my my closest friends are still going to be in other parts of the country, and I can't wait to see them in just a few weeks. Right. And that's been the cherry on top that's made everything so worth it as well. Just every every student here is fantastic in their own way and great to be with and great to be part of. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Simon, for stopping by today and giving us a little bit of your time. Yep. Well, thank you for having me again and have a good day. This week for our In the Classroom segment, we had the chance to interview faculty member Nathan Pigors on what's going on in the classroom. Nathan is in his third year of teaching with us and has classes in apologetics and the Great Conversation. So one thing we're doing right now in both Great Conversation and in apologetics is we're talking about how the idea that things have natures, that organisms or beings have a way that they're meant to be. Um, it's come up in Augustine, City of God, and we're reading a, a book called The Last Superstition by Edward Fesser, which okay. has that as one of its main themes also. Okay. I feel like that topic is really relevant and powerful to our culture today um, because of actually, uh, we read another article a little while ago by C.S. Lewis called, there's a preface to Athanasius is on the incarnation 
and in it he argues we should read more older books than than modern books okay the reason being older books come from a time with different cultural blind spots than us and so our culture everyone in our culture has some blind spots in common but if you read someone from 2000 years ago they're gonna have a different blind spot right which means their ideas will speak straight to our blind spots and vice versa like so explain that to me yeah. a little bit yeah so so for example we could see the blind spots of the justification of slavery because we're past it by right. 150 200 years right but we can't see our own blind spots however gotcha. if you read augustine if you read these old books one of the things that augustine assumes is that everything has a nature the example that a professor gives is the idea of a squirrel he compares two squirrels one squirrel is a normal squirrel it eats nuts it climbs trees it chitters it scampers it does all the things a squirrel does mm-hmm the second squirrel, for whatever reason, has been either genetically programmed or trained to only eat toothpaste-covered Ritz crackers. <laughs> and for its hobby, it likes to lie down in the middle of streets. Okay. And so we compare these two squirrels. There's the normal squirrel, and then there's the toothpaste-eating, street-lying squirrel. Uh-huh. And he'd say, which, which is better at being a squirrel? If you, if you like the if the squirrel lies in streets or eats toothpaste, it's gonna die. Right. Whereas if a squirrel eats nuts and climbs trees, it's gonna be what a squirrel is meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's gonna fulfill the nature of a squirrel. And we talk about squirrels. Everyone gets this. Everyone's like, yeah. I mean, that's what veterinary science is devoted to. If you're a zoologist, right. You understand that your creatures have a nature that you're trying to help them fulfill. But when it gets to human beings we often like to dodge this truth. We mm-hmm. often like to say, no, human beings don't have a, a nature. You can be what you want to be. You can do what you want to do. You can make your own path. You can essentially design your own nature for yourself. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way any better than it does for the squirrel. Hmm. At the end of the day, if we try to make our own selves into a certain kind of thing, we'll end up not fulfilling the nature that was created for us. And just like the squirrel lying in the street, it will destroy us. Hmm. And I don't mean just after death. It will destroy us in this life and then sure. after death too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. That the, so so what know, are some things you draw on for looking at the nature of man then? Does that just yeah. go... Like when I think of the example of the squirrel, you go back to kind of biology, right? right and what it... Right. Yeah, its natural surroundings as well as right. its instincts. So... How do you draw on that for yeah. man? Is that just scripture where you say yeah. this is the nature of man? Yeah. it's a Answering the question, what is the nature of man, is worthy of a lifetime of study. Yeah. And it's something that we all essentially have to do by nature of being men. We don't know fully what we are. And I don't care how well you study, how much time you spend on it. We're not going to get all of it. Mm-hmm. It's just a, because we're made in the image of a God... Yeah. Our nature has incredible depth yeah. that we can't achieve. So, so yeah, you need scripture to give you information about a lot of things. But the people we read, um, like Augustine, who is a, a Christian, he's, he's informed by scripture, but he's also informed by Plato. And Plato gives some good insights into the nature of man, too. One way of saying is that Plato says things about man's nature in a way that's different than the way the Bible says it. 
but that correlates to it. Hmm. So it can awaken your mind to the truth that was said in the Bible sure, because it's said in different words. Right, it can say it slightly differently and maybe resonate with a slightly different tone. Right, yeah, and so... And students have already read Plato. Like, yeah. that's been kind of an ongoing joke is when will we be done with Plato Yeah. at this point in right. the semester? Right, because And the answer is they won't, no. right? Because no. uh, we'll continue to refer back to Plato. Right, because yeah. Plato's thoughts influenced everyone. They influence us today in right. many ways that we don't even think about. Mm-hmm. They influence, influence our churches. They influence, you name it. It's his influence is pervasive in yeah. culture and history. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can't be done with Plato. Um, and Augustine, Augustine really likes Plato. There's a whole chapter we just read talking about the Platonists are the the closest examples of basically the pagans that are closest to Christianity hmm. in his time. Gotcha. And that we should look to them for, in many ways, because they're so close and so, they talk about the truth, yeah. even though they don't talk about all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a very good conversation. And yeah, the applications are everywhere. I mean, if you want to talk about things having natures, you could apply that to abortion, you could apply that to euthanasia, you could apply that to transgender, homosexuality. Pick your topic that's popular in culture. Mm-hmm. It speaks directly to the heart of it. Yeah. Does it get, do you guys get into the idea of vocation with that at all? Because I feel like you mm-hmm. can talk about right. it on a really macro scale right. very easily. What's right. the nature of humanity? Right. But like, what is the nature of you as a person? Right. Which we do talk about that during the year. We talk right. about a Christian view on vocation right. and how we fit into that and God's will. So does that come up in class at all as well? Yeah, it's interesting. The last class I had yesterday, it the book we were reading brought out some of the basic questions that that the people before Plato were asking. And one was the question of the one and the many. Hmm. The yeah. idea that there's one humanity, but there's many individual human beings. And right. how do those fit together? Right. Um, one of the things that the students brought out was, hey, if man has a nature, then what about our different callings? What about our different vocations? How does yeah. that fit into it? And the answer is something along the lines that the oneness, the universality of human nature tells us something about all human beings but the many side of it is that we do have individual vocations we do in essence pick parts of our human nature that we really jive with or connect with and we say hey i want to serve people by means of this aspect of human nature yeah focus here right Mm -hmm. like the veterinarians our our job is to take care of the earth and one way you can do that is by taking care of animals sure and so the, the veterinarians zero in on that little piece of our calling, and they mm. say, okay, this is what I want to do, and that's great. Yeah. It's very good that they do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it did come up in class yesterday. They did ask that question. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about evangelism and yeah. what students have been doing with that. So right. have, they, have they been designing their own evangelism right. tool? Is that correct? And yeah. are they in the process of testing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how's that been going? Yeah. So in my class, my section, the students have designed and tested and presented their evangelism tools. So we, at the very beginning of the year, gave them a little bit of training, sent them out the first time just to get their feet wet. And then we said, okay, you need to come up with a tool a way to interact with people. And so a couple of days ago, they presented their tools, um, asked some really interesting questions of, their, of, their, of the people. So for example, one of the tools is, 
what matters to you is the question they ask and they give okay. them a list of options like mm-hmm. what matters to you and then the, the way the tool goes is they lead them down a, a path saying will what matters to you last after you die hmm. like is it worth mattering to you yeah or when you're when you die is it just over yeah interesting and so it's it's meant to provoke conversations make people consider it's in essence the frailness of human life and that yeah what we're working so hard for might be done in a few years right um, right yeah they did a they've gone out a good contrast yeah yeah and yeah. i think i've heard a couple other students i think one of theirs was what type of leader would you follow yep. and so they talk about just they just lead that kind right. of discussion and then yeah. they, they lead that towards what type of leader are you or what kind of characteristics do you see in this yeah in yourself yeah and then talking about the fallenness of man essentially and how we can't be perfect right and then i think another one that i heard was um what is your image of perfection or like what does perfection mean to you yeah and then kind of going down that mm-hmm. trail as well of how the common thing to say is nobody's perfect right but we all strive for a type of perfection. Right. Um, and so how does how do those things fit together and then how yeah. does that lead to nature of man discussions? Yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good topic. It would fit a lot with what we were just saying earlier about things having natures. Yeah, absolutely. Our image of perception is our image of what human nature is meant to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so they've been doing a good job working and putting the tools together and using them. It's definitely some of them are feel very much out of the comfort zone yeah not um, definitely i feel excited about it but but learning and yeah and growing in those ways yep and i i think i said this to bill last week but i always love getting to talk to them at lunch like yesterday i had a really good conversation at lunch with several of the students just about the conversations that they had had yeah and how they had ended and trying to um, say, you know, did your tool accomplish what you were hoping for it to and what kind of improvements did you want to make? And then remembering to ask, like, what are the names of the people that you spoke with, yeah. right? So not becoming so academic about it that we focus on the tool, yeah. but remembering the humanity of the people that we're dealing with right. as well. So yeah. it's always awesome to get to hear their stories, for sure, just like at camp during the summers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they have good stories. And some of my apologetics classes have been taken over by students coming in and they're just, they had random other conversations with people during the week. Yeah. Not at all related to evangelism. They're like, yeah, I talked to this guy at the laundromat. I talked to this guy at the cafeteria. Yeah. What should I do here? What should I do there? Just yeah. these practical questions of, I, I don't know how to continue this conversation. Right. And then we, right. then we pray for the people that we talked with. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, unfortunately, I think that's all the time we have this morning. Great. But thank you so much yeah, for a little bit you. of time and checking in on the classroom this week, Nathan. Appreciate yeah, my it. pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's all for our show this week. As always, you can email podcast at worldview.org if you have anything that you'd like to hear us talk about from a cultural perspective or anything at the Abbey. And if you'd like more information about Worldview at the Abbey, you can visit worldviewbridgeyear.com. Or if you'd like more information about a Worldview Academy summer camps, you can go to worldview.org.